We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of My Brilliant Career on February 1st, 1980. It was written by Eleanor Whitcomb and directed by Gillian Armstrong and released by GUO Film Distributors. Did not look up what that stands for this time. And uh, I think we mentioned last week that Fatso was... Uh, directed by one of ten working female film correct directors in the world, and this is another example of that, another female film director. So presumably, is, is this, this is one of the ten? another of the other ten <laughs> uh, film directors? GUO stands for Greater Union Organization. Okay, so maybe it, maybe I did look it up, and then I decided that I, was just intensely boring. It. it was really small print, but then it says PTY. I'm assuming that's Party Limited. I don't know. I just like that the word that tripped you up was the organization. <laughs> Uh, organ, organize, yeah, it's organization. Organize, <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to get organized. Read, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, this film was adapted from a book written by Miles Franklin, who was 16 when she wrote it in 1901. It's written by a 16-year-old. Sequel book, My Career Goes Bung, has never been adapted for film. <laughs> I did not make that up. Um, yeah, so why don't we get into it? We start in Possum Gully, Australia, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1897. It's dusty. <laughs> There's a windstorm, in fact, happening right away, and she seems to be ignoring it while she's uh, discussing to herself her plans for her future. I don't know if this is supposed to be taking place at the end of the movie or at the beginning. Like, is this... Is this? I think no, this is the beginning. beginning. It's, it, we're, we're setting her up here to, okay. to demonstrate that she is either or potentially both uh willfully disobeying her her parents by not listening to their calls you know to to help you know button up the house because the winds yeah. are blowing because they have or, like 12 kids that are out right. in this dusty field or that yeah. she's just totally oblivious to the world right and she being uh our our protagonist sibylla who is known as sib by her her siblings <laughs> they refer to her as sib um, that's a really lazy nickname yeah hey sib it's like you can't remember my name oh wait that's kind of short for my name yeah it's not like we would say bro nowadays. yeah exactly yeah this is this is that evolved from this um so yeah she thinks she's better than her family basically because they're all out there working on the animals and she's like i'm gonna be better than you she's directing this letter to like her fellow countrymen like it's just like an abstract letter to the world i guess See, that's why I thought that the scene, after watching the movie, I thought that this scene was a flashback, and then it cut to the before. I, I don't think so, because, I mean, I think throughout the movie, in theory, she's writing the story in which we're seeing. I okay. think it actually works either way, though, because I, f- I feel like she ends up in the same place where she starts the film. Yeah. Um, but, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> but, um, so she, yeah, she's uh, at this crappy house in the middle of nowhere with her parents and her eight siblings uh working on a dust farm on the verge of starvation probably how does one farm dust very carefully i feel like it doesn't have to be careful at all 
Well, if you're not careful, then you can die from lung cancer from the dust. <laughs> All that dust blows away when you have a big storm. Yeah. Uh, no, it's like, and then what are you, you lose the whole harvest. <laughs> <laughs> you lost the whole harvest. Um, I, I believe it is a, a cattle ranching and, and possible. I don't know if they were they were milking cows, but I don't know if the milk was for them or for. So. They they are wrestling so. some bovine in this scene, um, but then she's complaining to her sister about how she has to live here, and her sister's like, "I know you're better than all of us." And then she gets a letter from grandma saying, "Hey." Well, but no, she that that the letter comes after her parents basically tell her they're like, "Hey, you're good for nothing. We don't want you. We've sold you off to be a servant somewhere." Mm-hmm. And she's basically refusing to go. Yeah. And then like just in the nick of time, you know, Granny says, "Hey, come live with Is me that instead." Correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It I happens again later. Okay, it does happen <laughs> twice then. Yeah. Okay, I didn't remember that in the beginning. Um, but yeah, she gets a letter from grandma inviting her to Cadigat, which is like the Downton Abbey of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Or one of the Downton Abbeys. Yeah, one of the two Downton Abbeys, the dueling Because she Abbeys. goes to the larger Abbey later. <laughs> yeah, which is sounds more like a, a burger joint than a Downton Abbey to me. Because <laughs> it's called Five Bob or something like that. Um, but yeah, so literally getting off the carriage in Cadigat, she's hit on by... Uh, Frank Hodden, who uh, is, he reminds me of my brother-in-law <laughs> in terms of his looks. Um, he's very uh, fancy gentleman, mustachioed. Mm-hmm. His hair is parted down the middle. Um, Always fond of a sing-song yes. like, in the parlor. <laughs> but the most boring possible sing-songs. Um, this, this is towards the beginning of people just saying really terrible things to Sib, like, directly to Through, her face. Throughout the whole movie, this is a recurring, like, horrible theme where people just, you know, ridicule her left and right, saying the most atrocious things in casual conversation, yeah. as if it didn't mean anything. One like, of the first harshest things, she's sitting on the carriage with him, and he says... I mean, you're not, you're not at all like them. Mrs. Bossier, or your aunt, Mrs. Bell. That's how awfully good-looking. Indeed. <laughs> Like just like just sloughs it off completely. It actually reminded me of um, what is that the HBO show? Is it Gentleman Jack? Yeah. She reminds me of that character. Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit. I wrote I wrote down a couple of the the moments when they were just totally insulting her to her face, and one of them was a uh, a plain looks never stopped anyone from being intelligent or witty or, or making friends. <laughs> or I like those like my nose is the wrong shape. I know. <laughs> yeah. Or well, the one was just stop looking in mirrors. Yeah. Her aunt just like helpfully <laughs> drapes blankets over all the mirrors in the house. Like, oh, well, you don't have to see this Here. gross specter of a person. This fixes everything. I have a plan. You never make me more than middling ugly. We'll see. But first of all, no more looking in mirrors. But, but yet she gets hit on immediately upon arrival. Right. Yeah. And uh, and the next day. She's like reading a book under a tree and he gives her a bunch of flowers and he's not even like 15, 20 steps away before she just hucks him into a lake. Yeah. Just like, okay, whatever. Not interested. Well, and didn't he, didn't he propose by basically saying, hey, looks aren't everything. Marry me. Right. (laughs) But also the night before when, when her aunt is covering up all the mirrors, she's literally saying like, yes, I know you're, you're a sad because no one loves you and wants to marry you. And the next day, like, a guy's literally trying to propose to her already, and she's like, what? No, I don't want that. <laughs> it's like, I want desperately for someone to propose to me, but just not this guy. 
Well, but also not anyone. Like she, like she's yeah. she's really adamant that that marriage is not for her, and yeah. that she wants to pursue her career. And she, you know, at the beginning, she's not she's she's interested in writing, but she was also you know fantasizing about all these other potential careers that she could yeah, have. She wants yeah. to be a pianist or arts or opera. Like she has she has all these fancy things that she would like to do. But she has no none of the means right. to even get started or on an, any of them. Or an but, actress, but, but that's, that's why like she's against here. high society where her her grandma is. She's here for grandma's makeover to make her into a fancy woman, basically. Makeover, makeover. Yeah, makeover, it's grandma makeover. eye for the weird girl. <laughs> and uh, and then what is she doing in the tree? She's like just pulling uh, stuff out of the tree. I think she's picking flowers or something. Or fruits yeah. or something. Or something. But yeah, then, she because she, she's collecting them in her dress, but they right. they seem to be very light. And I don't know if it's like a like a fragrant kind of flower. Yeah, I mean, or... they kind of look like a little honeysuckle or something. Mm. But it doesn't look like it's like something that needed to be done or that anyone asked her to do. She's kind of like free range, just like wandering around. Oh, yeah, she's a shiftless layabout. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but while she's working in this tree, she is approached by Sam Neill as Harry Beecham. And uh, the first thing he does is kneel behind her. She's on the top of like... This ladder reaching up. Or is she on a ladder or is she just climbed into the tree? She's above a ladder. She's sitting on a branch of the tree. But he kneels in the foreground and we just see him kneel. And I was like, oh, I know that kneel. (laughs) Not just because it's Sam Neil, (laughs) but because it's the exact same position that he's in when he's looking at the giant pile of Triceratops poop in Jurassic Park. (laughs) Sam Neil has a specific kneel? Yes. Okay. It's called the Sam (laughs) Neil. That's what they call it. So he kind of hits on her there a little bit. He he helps her down from the tree by like grabbing her around the waist under her skirt. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, he gets uh, a little fresh with her. Yeah. But then she, you know, she plays along with him. She puts on some sort of Irish accent and sort of pretends to be a servant girl. And she won't yeah. tell him her name or anything. Right. She's being coy. Yeah. And uh, and he's like, oh, don't I get a reward for helping you down? <laughs> and uh, so they kind of part ways without exchanging any information until. That evening, when both of her prospective suitors arrive at the mm-hmm. party at Cadigan at the same time, um, and it turns out that Harry Beecham is Harry Beecham, who is like a childhood, childhood friend of friends, hers. Yeah, um, who he did he say he recognized? No, her? neither he, one of them. He said he didn't, and she said she didn't. Yeah, nobody recognizes anyone. And then Uncle JJ shows up, who is my favorite character. Oh, uh, he's the movie. best. <laughs> he's so great. He's just like, he's he's the least judgmental person in the whole film. He just doesn't care. And well, you can tell that he like genuinely loves her and thinks yeah. that she's the funniest thing. Well, well the, 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 the aunt and the uncle. Uh, yeah, they're both good. Aunt Gussie and Uncle Julius are both just really like a fun group. Yeah. Compared to the grandmother. And so Hodden tries to like lead the party in one of his dumb sing songs. It's like tarara boom dia. Yeah, it's like this literally the lyrics. <laughs> the is most like, boring. Is, is there are there more lyrics to that song? I guess not. That was actually the first public domain song ever. <laughs> it was public domain at the time. Um, but then they used that uh, in a Disney movie too. What movie did they use that in? You're right. I'm hearing it in like this tarara boom dia. Yeah, it's I like can't... an older character. I want to say Jungle Book or something. Uh, I don't know. It'll come. Maybe to it's me. in Aristocats somewhere. Oh, that sounds right. It's also like the Howdy Doody song. It's yeah. Howdy Doody time. That's oh. what it's originally from. <laughs> well, no, it's probably the Howdy Doody probably used it because it was public domain music. Right. <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, so he's singing that and boring everyone to sleep. 
and then uh, Sib decides she's going to start singing like some drinking song, which is like equally boring by today's standards. <laughs> but right, everyone but, in the room is oh, horrified. Oh, shocking. Yeah, it not appropriate shocking. for this. Yeah. And JJ like, where thinks did it's you, funny. Where did you hear that? And it's like, well, in the pub, of course. Yeah. You know, because she used to drag her and he's like, drinking oh, father out of the pub. She's just right. full of surprises, this one, like laughing about it. But everyone else is just like, oh, she might as well be like singing like a theme song from a famous porn or something. Yeah. Do, do porns have theme songs, I don't sweetie? Know. I've never seen one. <laughs> I've never seen one, my dear wife. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so the next day, less than 24 hours after meeting him, uh, Hodden proposes to her. Uh, he meets her by this gate outside of a goat paddock, and he's just like, so, you know, looks aren't that important to me. Uh, we should just get married. Uh, or what is it? Looks aren't everything and Harry is gone. Like, oh, that other guy <laughs> left. So uh, what are you going to do, huh? Are you going to wait around for another, like, 12 hours for someone else to show up? <laughs> no, you're going to marry me right now. And she just shoves him over the gate into the paddock. Um, and she goes back to the house because she doesn't want to marry this guy. And he's an idiot. And then she gets an invitation she she's her her aunt is trying to set her up with people and i may have coordinated this thing with with hodden I, it's oh, not you, really clear you think that she like the aunt was trying to make that happen the aunt not the grandmother i think oh. possibly because she does t- give her like a lecture like stop trying to set me up with people like stop trying to marry me off because she's like starting to suggest other suitors that Wait, she do, could you be. You mean the young, the, the younger aunt, yeah, Gussie okay. or something? No, no, uh, Gussie is the older aunt. Oh, okay. And Helen is the Helen, the the, the younger. Who, okay. Who who I was trying to figure out how is she an an aunt? Yeah. To that's her, her mother's that, sister. But she she see they look like they're the same age. Well, that's the thing though oh, is that well, in in the 1890s you, you just have kept having kill, kids forever. Yeah. You have 12 <laughs> kids and then there's you know there's 20 years you know between them. Mm. Um, but yeah, so she's like, you can stop trying to marry me off. And she's like, oh, well, then I guess you don't want this invitation to, to Five Bob to go see Sam Neill. Oh. Yeah, Five Bob's Burgers and Goats or whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when she gets to the, she's, of course, she's instantly like, yes, I'm going to go. And it just cuts to her like on the carriage with Sam Neill already. Like he came to retrieve her, I guess. Um, and when they pull up, um, his mother is yeah. standing on the porch and is just like, oh, there's no resemblance to the family. A pity. Oh, <laughs> you're like, ugly. Why is my son oh, interested darn, in I thought you? Oh, darn, I thought you were going to be pretty or something. And she even says something like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I look like this. <laughs> sorry this is my face. <laughs> What's wrong with your face? What's wrong with your face? What's wrong with your face? And then she kind of leans into that whole kind of talk later. She says... I think ugly girls should be strangled at birth by their parents. It's bad enough to be born a girl, but to be born ugly and clever. And then Augusta's like, oh, clever are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're clearly talking about yourself. When she goes, I better be. Because <laughs> yeah. I have nothing else yeah. going for me. There has me. to be something I'm good at. <laughs> oh, there's sure to be. Right, right. Like, you know, you're not actually clever, but you've got to have something We'll in figure there. out a talent. You <laughs> we'll can probably, like, <laughs> tie a cherry stem and a knot in your mouth or something. <laughs> That's worth being alive. But but I like then then like they're up drinking all night. He's like another glass of port won't hurt us. Yeah. <laughs> like and and Gussie's the best. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the next morning she's out on a canoe or like a little raft with with Beecham, and uh, decides it would be funny to tip the whole thing over. Right. 
Um, and so they go into the water and he like thinks he's rescuing her, <laughs> but they're both fine. They're just completely wet and they come very close to kissing, but then just don't Yeah. and go back into the house. Well, they, and they continually do this like throughout the film where they, they play rather childish games. Right. There's the... And I, like, I could forgive her cause she generally seems to be a child. What is she? 16 or something in this film? Yeah. Well, and... that's how old the author was when she wrote the story. So I think that's how she's. Yeah. And, but he's a bit older, but he still seems to just be going along with these very childish they have a, a very prolonged pillow fight uh, it's like the <laughs> right. most the most epic ground covering pillow fight short of the community episode it's like <laughs> it's like three minutes long it's like four seventeen they seven chase each other across half of australia yeah <laughs> yeah it's um you guys didn't hear it unless you listened to the last episode but um when i played the trailer for this movie it uh, is the pillow fight is described in the trailer so it's like just a collection of reviews like so and so says magnificent so and so says extraordinary and then just one trailer is weirdly specific and says a delicious pillow fight far more erotic in its connotations than than most r-rated movies manage to be <laughs> i have to say that this is the point where i started re- like really getting into the movie like I was kind of calm down, the... Richard. I know you like pillows. He even grabbed a pillow and put it in his yeah, lap I, for I, this I, scene. Because I... <laughs> <laughs> well, like... he just wanted to be near pillows, I guess. Yeah, because like, like, I was like, I was just like watching. I was like, well, you guys have sex already. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Finally, you were rooting for something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so they they pillow fight for like three minutes and end in like a field. And just lay on the pillows and start talking to each other. So yeah, she she basically that's the end of their interactions at Five Bob, and she goes back to live with her grandmother again. Right, because um, he says he's going to be gone for right, weeks. Right. right, but promises to mm-hmm. be to see her the moment he gets back. Right, and she's been back with Grandma for a couple of weeks, and she finds out oh we have some mail we need to take over to Harry Beecham, and they're like she's like oh is he back already? And they're like oh yeah he's been back for weeks. Didn't say anything to you, did he? she's like, oh, well, then I'm going to help you deliver the mail. And they're like, no, you're not. And cut to her delivering the mail on the carriage. I'm well, very impressed. Oh. She, But she ditched the guy, though. She, yeah. So they, right. they said you can't go un, unescorted. And she, you know, she's like, oh, you got to open this gate for me. And when he opens the gate yeah. for her, she as just soon as takes Hawk, off with yeah. the thing yeah. and goes on her own. Hodden gets off of the horses and she just leaves him. Well, and then Uncle Julius and Aunt Gussie are just... Like, and because he doesn't think it's as funny, but right. Julius when they is get just back. like, he thinks it's really funny. He's like, you had to walk all the way back in those tight boots. <laughs> yeah, he's just cracking up about They're it. They're laughing um, about it, yeah. But I have to say that the thing that impresses the, me the most about this time period is the the efficiency of the postal system. Like, all these letters that keep getting written and delivered perfectly. Yeah. It's well, like, it's really well established. She showed up in the town and it was like an Amazon fulfillment center. Did you see all those packages she loaded into Yeah, there was the a lot of stuff carriage. going all at the same <laughs> like, time. It's just like, here's all the stuff you ordered, but these other things weren't, you know, in yet. So yeah. tell tell your grandma that they're coming. Um. So, yeah. So, she confronts Harry because he's, like, at the distribution center. And, uh, and he, like, takes his mail and he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. I didn't... Uh, didn't get in touch with you like no excuse and he doesn't kind of slough it off he just kind of says yeah i'm sorry whatever and she's like okay fine and she goes back to her grandma's house and uh she she has a conversation with her younger aunt again who Mm -hmm. what did you say her name was helen helen and helen just says like what did you think was going to happen did you think he was going to propose to you like he's not going to i just want to make sure you understand he's not going to propose to you because you're not pretty enough for him and she's like yeah i know and she's like okay i just wanted to make sure that you knew that he's not going to propose to you. So don't expect that. Just well, over and over again hammering it in like, leave him alone. 
And at some point, is it, is it is it Helen's husband who left, or is it? Oh, she oh, she tells a story about marrying for love, right? And she right. said, "I married for love," but then he left me and didn't even give me like a divorce. So, so she can't she, remarry. Yeah. Right. So she's trying to teach her the lesson here that that like you should you should be practical about this. Yeah. Which it is really funny because she's acting like she I guess it sounded like she tells people that her husband is dead yes. rather than yeah. having left her for an Because it would be less embarrassing to marry a widow than a divorced woman or a, a separated woman, I guess. <laughs> she's not even technically divorced. Um but then there's another party going on. Um, at five bob again um and so everyone's going to that so she decides she's gonna go along to that uh but harry beecham has a new girlfriend already at this party yes i believe i believe it's gertie it's her younger sister yeah well no 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 that was after that was later later. this is a different girl um but yeah so she goes to this other party and everyone's really boring and fancy so she (laughs) decides she's gonna hang out with the help and sing all of her favorite drinking songs. Oh yeah, that's when we get to the the lower decks of the Titanic. And right, yeah, exactly. Dance around, spinning and, around, and yeah. and even then again, JJ is just like, oh, cool, she knows this dance, and everyone else well, is yeah, just like, oh, this is it's weird. So weird because after, so she goes in there to go enjoy herself away from all the stuffy rich people, and then all the stuffy rich people parade in and like right. sit down on like chairs it's a, like to, it's like, a human zoo right watch the help go and be you know watch these silly people dance gallivant around and <laughs> but i think jj even starts dancing with them yeah yeah, yeah. so, so, yeah, so does aunt gussie like yeah, yeah. So I, I think i think it was just like you know that these are the people who serve us and now they're getting their time to celebrate too and but it gonna... starts as like a like we're just gonna watch you for entertainment value <laughs> well i think that I, I see and I don't see that. I think it, I feel I, I felt it was just more like we want to see you guys having a good time because we yeah. we we catered this to yeah, you as well. But it was clearly inappropriate for her to be tart partaking. Like they were all giving her glares. Yeah. You know, and to the point where um, you know, Harry runs Harry up and literally, like, yeah, abandons his girlfriend. Her, drags her out of the room. Yeah. He takes her into this like little cottage next door and starts lecturing her about what she's doing and what her plans for the future are. And uh, they're both really mad at each other in this scene. But by the time he gets to proposing to her, she's already furious and shooting him down immediately and just like, no, it's not it's not something I ever intended to do. And he like grabs her to like force a kiss on her and she smacks him across the face with this like riding crop. Yeah. Yeah. And, she like, actually like, cuts him yeah. on the face. And immediately is like, oh, shit. Like, I meant to hit you, but I did. I shouldn't have hit you with this. And I shouldn't have hit you so hard. Yeah. I definitely shouldn't have said it was illegal. <laughs> it's too hot today. And and it's it's like she you can see like that she's like I don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Like is he going to beat me is, is like I don't know. And what's to his going credit, on. he takes it very much in stride. You can tell he's furious cuz he's Sam Neil and he can show you with his eyes when he's mad. Right. But he's right. just like puts a rag to his face and turns to walk out and she's like tries to apologize as he's leaving. And they don't really have much more of a conversation. Um, when she gets back to her grandmother's house, um, she says, Hey, guess what? Your drunk dad lost a lot of money. And your family, instead of paying off their debts, has sold you as a teacher to this family that lives in like a 
junkyard. Didn't yeah. her and Harry go wandering about till the wee hours of the morning? Oh, you're though? right. You're right. I did. Yeah. So that. before that happens, though, like you you see them in the in the wee hours of the morning, essentially, like having talked all night and like yeah. hashed out their problems and are you know on but good again, terms he's, now. He can, he repeats the proposal and she basically right. says, "Give me a couple years to think about it, right. not like she, a couple days, a couple years, literally right. two years." She to wants think about to go it. and like you know see the world and pursue her career right. and try to figure out things before she decides to marry him and and he's like yeah cool i'll give you your space in the meantime we can be friends right. and we will mm-hmm. we will remain mates. friends mates right which sounds like halfway between yeah. friends and sexual partners <laughs> to me but it's australia so friends so it's completely sexual partners yes. oh wait there's no non-sexual partners in Australia, <laughs> from what I understand. Yeah, whenever they say good day, mate, it's just like... It's, mm. it's called the Coriolis effect. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, it has to do with the, the rotation, w- whether you're north or south of the... Yeah, I watched that episode we, we of Simpsons, too. This is a family podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so as soon as she gets back to Grandma's, though, Grandma's like, hey, guess what? You're a slave. Uh, go to this junkyard. The term is teach. governess. Right. Same thing. <laughs> Um, but she gets it literally just looks like a bunch of garbage piled up in the shape mm-hmm. of a schoolhouse and there's like five kids squeezing around one oh it's tiny more desk. like 10 kids yeah yeah there was a lot of them and it was all just for this one family yeah and so she's gonna teach all these kids how to read um but presumably this guy with this you know garbage pile of a hut and 10 kids is well enough off that he is owed a bunch of money by her father. Right. Well, yeah. well he's got a mud farm. See, they had a oh, dust farm. This is a mud farm. Water, that's, he's got mud. that's twice as many ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she's teaching these terrible kids and the mom the whole time is like, <laughs> my kids are stupid. You're not really going to get them to learn a thing. I don't even know why we bothered to drag you out here. You're not even worth the debt that you owe us. Right. And they're horrible Um, to her. They are. But she loses her shit and beats the crap out of one of the kids. And then the mom, like, comes over to see, like, oh, why is my kid screaming? And Sib is just staring her down, like, if you interrupt this spanking, I'm just going to murder you. (laughs) Like, she looks really mad. Well, plus, you just, you take away, you would take away all of her... Authority. Any, any yeah. kind of authority. You would done. guarantee that I am not worth the money that I'm supposedly paying yeah. off if you interrupt this process. Right. And so she so turns she around. Walks out. And then the kids are immediately like, you're great. We're going to listen to everything you say. And they all learn to read. Yeah. Right. Well, they learn to read the, the literally like the newspaper that's yeah. lining their house they as like insulation. They the room with newspaper <laughs> and they're reading a story off of the wall. But they come to love her. They do. It's like a Mary Poppins, but in garbage form. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Mr. Banks was a garbage salesman, a spoonful of garbage makes the medicine garbage. Wait, is, what I think is that was is the interesting like uh, not theme. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the interesting plot device, anyway, is like when she's at her first home, she has got a piano, and the piano is just a little off it's a, key. It's a bad piano. It's, yeah. She can play it well, but it's yeah. badly tuned. And Judy Davis, to her credit, uh, learned to play right. all her own. Uh, parts that she played but then when she gets like to the fancy household it's a really nice you know well-tuned piano then when they get when he gets to like the junkyard family it's like it's like barely a harpsichord it's like it's like it's like a stringed piano yeah like i mean but like not more like a plucking string like a harpsichord but it's just making like this really grinding noise when she's trying to play the the it's like she's actually taking a step down from where she started yeah 
<clears throat> but um, she but she becomes friends with the kids essentially, right? And so and close with them, in fact. That, well, she was she was just chatting, right. with one of the eldest boys. But the parents misinterpreted it as, "Look, we know our son's hot, but you can't <laughs> marry our son because yeah. he's making a lot of progress with the rich family over the hill." Yeah. And she's like, "That is embarrassing and gross that you think I would fall in love with your garbage son." But she doesn't say that. She lets them fire her Keep, yeah she lets them fire her and relieve her father of his debts so that she can go back to her house the, i guess the, the, dust sli- farm. the dust farm the slightly better pianoed farm yeah um so yeah she goes back and uh harry meets her there by now he's dating her sister well that's what people had been saying yeah right but i mean he's been he's been taking well, her on dates when when she became a servant the her family sent the next option to grandma right. for you yeah. know finishing school yeah. <laughs> how you about know, this one and the, she is the newer model no offense to judy davis a little bit more attractive than judy davis and isn't getting the same comments from everyone like probably oh, easier to marry you're off. ugly like yeah. it was just like oh this one is an actual like we could we could bag harry beecham with this one <laughs> let's set them up um and uh oh. but when she's well, back... well humorously enough though like he like she she found out through the grapevine i guess that he had lost uh, the farm or no he told her that night. yeah he, yeah, he told her. Told that her. was it he told her that night that he was losing everything because you know the... and he was going up north to like take care of the properties up there because he was losing the five bobs burgers right yeah but he managed to rearrange everything he put some fries to the side <laughs> he started another burner and he saved the place so he's right. not losing his family fortune and things are progressing with her sister presumably through the grapevine anyway and she thinks oh well you know what my sister's a much better fit for you anyway and we're still friends and that's fine right and he says no i still want to marry you and it's been a couple years presumably i don't know how long it's been but well that's what she asked for is he, yeah. he's like saying he's living up to the promise that they made to each other that after two years like i would do my thing you would do your thing and how did your brilliant career work out? Yeah. Teaching garbage people how to yeah. read. It, it, it's like, did you figure out what was wrong with the world? And she says, yeah, it was me. Yeah. yeah. The moral of the story is, don't be an independent woman. Well, so That's she, what's wrong with the I world. Mean, but, but to blatantly say, she turns him down yeah, again. Yeah, she does. You know, because I, the whole thing is like, and I like that she keeps repeating the, the logic of, why do we have to get married? Why does that have to be a part of it? Can't we just be in a relationship with each other why do we have to like tie each other into like this marriage for my value and i can't have a career or anything i literally just have to and they hammer on it every every location that these people have 10 12 kids each there's just piles of kids tumbling out of the cupboards but yeah so she's like i don't want to turn into a kid factory i just want to you know write books and be myself and he's like okay then we're still friends and she writes a book and sends it off to a publisher. So, I could tell you, you know, I, I really enjoyed this movie, actually. Yeah, me but too. But the me biggest too. flaw of this movie, and you're going to think I'm crazy, is, was casting Sam Neill. Because who he, yeah. could say no to I Sam Neill? I wouldn't I say, said if yes he walked in here right second. now, yeah. I would say, sorry, sweetie, and I'd give you this ring. Yeah. And I would leave with Dr. Alan Grant. <laughs> this is, I mean, otherwise, it was a great movie, you know? Yeah. But, it's just not realistic when you cast such a handsome man. But kudos to writer Eleanor Whitcomb and director Julian Armstrong for having this story and putting it together. There, there was like this. Obviously, the book was controversial when it first came out, and I don't think it was much less controversial in the '80s. But um, 
Well, it was uh, they held pu- the I guess the estate held back publishing right until like ten years after Miles's death. Yeah. Uh, so it ended up coming out in the 50s or 60s. Yeah, in the 60s. And so it had like a resurgence. Um, but the director, who, when she directed this film, was 29. Um, and she also directed The Little Women in 1994, the uh, Winona writer Kristen Dunst, Claire Danes one. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, the writer, Eleanor Whitcomb, this was her second and last screenplay after The Getting of Wisdom in 1977. So she only wrote two movies. But this one did really well. For everybody. Well, I mean, it did well in Australia and everything. Yeah, and here. Um, and uh, Judy Davis actually won two BAFTAs for her performance in this movie because the BAFTAs have a Best Actress and a Best Newcomer, and she won both of them for this performance, hmm. um, which doesn't happen very often. Um, this is Judy Davis's second movie ever. Um, did, it it did was she early have for a both lot of more them. Movies? <laughs> um, oh yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah she's got a big career. Uh, but this is actually one of her more famous films, apparently, in her career. I didn't realize that. I've known her from other things, but um, this quote was great. Uh, that although it prepared her to stardom, she was miserable during its production and can't stand to watch the film today. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's been in five Woody Allen movies, which is why you're not as familiar with her. Because oh, yeah. you can't stand his movies most of the time. Don't don't spoil it for everyone. Wait till oh, we get sorry. to a we'll Woody Allen movie. <laughs> But, but, we've missed a lot of the big ones already. But you know, like a you know, like she's like I like her in Barton Fink, and and right. and she's and the ref I think is always like one of my favorite, like you know, comedies, yeah. Christmas comedies. And uh, she also played Hedda Hopper on Feud, um, Betty and Joan, which was from the guy that does the American Horror Story shows and stuff like that. But he did a, a show that was about Betty Davis and and. Uh, Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford fighting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just bring it up because uh, in our last episode, Richard had referred to her Judy Davis eyes. She was actually (laughs) played an actress in the Betty Davis story uh, on that show. So that was an interesting connection. Sam Neill is our first Marvel Cinematic Universe actor. Yeah. In any of the movies we've discussed so far. I racked my brain about it. Okay. Are you coming up with who he played? Well, I remember uh, we, we discussed event, it recently, so I'm not going to spoil it for Richard. No, no, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He was, he's Cin- been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Wow. It's. He's the only one that I can think of. We'll call it a cameo. It's a cameo. Hmm. With a director who he's worked with in the past. I don't, I don't have it. Thor Ragnarok. Oh my god! I can't he believe I forgot Odin about in that. The play. And, and Liam Hemsworth and Matt, right. and, uh, Matt Damon as Loki. Yeah, oh for the my second god. time I'm in his so, career. Oh, I can't believe because he's also that. Loki in the movie. Because uh, the Hunt for the Wilder People. Dogma. Yeah, that movie is great. Um, but yeah, this is only Samuel's fourth movie. Um, he's been in the last couple that Taika Waititi did. Although I don't think he's in Jojo Rabbit. Which is unfortunate because... Well, and, and two years after this one, he would be... Well, I guess one year... Te- well, because this was released in 79, but released in the U.S. in 80, which right. is why we're reviewing That's it. That's why we're reviewing right. it now. But uh, the next year, 81, when he did Possession... That's uh, the beginning of the uh, crazy Sam Neill trilogy. Oh you know how much I love that movie. That movie is incredible. We're going to hit all three of the insane ones if we keep this podcast going. Cause when, it, wait, when does In the Mouth of Madness hit? That's uh, mid-80s. Okay. I would say 84, 85. Which is another fantastic film, yeah. and then Event Horizon is in the mid to late nineties. Yeah, yeah, but um, the, the like I you know most of the actors, I, I feel like I recognize them, but I didn't really know any of the parts when I looked them up. But I didn't know who played the character of Horus, 
I couldn't figure out who it was, uh, but the actor David Franklin I liked because uh, he was on Farscape. Oh yeah, and uh, he was one of my favorite characters on Farscape. And I was racking my brain like like Horace, who was Horace? But he was probably I think wasn't Horace one of the kids? Yeah, I, I was have one Horace the... listed as the brother as one of her brothers yeah, from the farm. He, oh, yeah, from he, the farm. Yeah, because he would have been in his his teens. Yeah, he was young because well, he was in The Matrix Reloaded as the Mater D. Yeah. It could have been it could have been one of the the garbage children or her brothers. It could have been, yeah. Yeah. It could have been either one. Um, and he also played Miklo Braca on Farscape. That's, that's the character I'm talking about. That's yeah. who you're Braca. You, you Braca's remember. great. He's I don't, a great I don't character. know any of that show. Uh, he also apparently show. played he wasn't an assistant director. He played an assistant director <laughs> in Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, but one other credit that I thought was really interesting, um, you had uh who was it? Max Cullen was Mr. McSwat, the father of the garbage kids. Um, he played Travis Hudson in X-Men Wolverine. He played the old farmer. There's a scene where Wolverine is very injured and he comes upon this farm in the middle of nowhere. Right, right, right. And this farmer and his wife take him in. So, And they get killed, don't they? Right, they do. They get <laughs> murdered. Um, but Mr. McSwat is the father of the garbage children. And then the woman who played Sib's mother played Heather Hudson, the farmer's wife oh. in Wolverine. Oh, which connection. is, I mean, it's a big Australia connection. Like, there's so many Australian people and New Zealanders and in both of these movies. So uh, th- they tend to group together. Taika Waititi casts almost exclusively Australian and Why was there a bunch of Australian people? people in the Wolverine movie? Because Hugh Jackman's Australian. Yeah. Hugh Jackman gravitates towards that, too. Okay. Um, well, Farscape was all a New Zealand... Oh, was I, it? I believe it was a New Zealand-Australian production. Yeah, and... Um, I think we we looked it up at Sam Neill like grew up in New Zealand, but he was born in Europe somewhere and moved to New Zealand when he was a kid. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, but I that's think he why was born in, Taika used uh, him. He was born in like Ireland or something. And that's also probably why Taika got approached for the Thor movie is because Chris Hemsworth is from Australia. Um, but yeah, it was great. I I did enjoy this film. Well, I always like me a good pastoral drama with a strong-headed woman. Yeah. Yeah, uh, far from the madding crowd. I I love that book. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's very similar. It's very it's it's similar to that. I mean, she's not a she wants to be a writer and not an independent farmer, but you know, very similar. Though they have she wanted to be an independent farmer and madding crowd. Yeah, <laughs> she well she <laughs> has her own farm. Dream. Yeah. yeah, but she but she brushes off the the advances of of the men because she wants to you know. It's nice herself. that nowadays everyone can work that dream out on their Farmville account and they don't have to <laughs> waste their entire strawberries. Um, but yeah. Um, for me, letterboxed-wise, this goes on top. Yeah, I, I would agree. Fully the, agree with of that. Of the four movies we've watched so far, this is by far the best one. Yes, of course. Uh, I liked it way more. It took a while. Like when I was, I, I, I watched it in two two parts and the first part. And it's not that long a movie, but yeah. it actually kind of drags a little bit in places. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh boy, this movie is just wait, taking its time to get any kind of attention. But my second viewing of the second half, I was like, all right, I'm really, I'm really kind of getting into this swing yeah. of things here now. So we're all putting this on top yeah. for our letterbox yeah. list? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I would say it's a, it's a worth watching for me. Yeah, I think it's worth watching. What do you Absolutely. Think? Absolutely. All right. So three thumbs up for worth watching. Um, I think that's everything for this one. Uh, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as I said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help new people find the show. And if you find the time to leave us a review, 
We will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through patreon.com slash vintage video podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Simon, which Wikipedia describes thusly. The Institute for Advanced Concepts, a group of scientists with an unlimited budget and propensity for elaborate pranks, brainwash a psychology professor named Simon Mendelssohn, who was abandoned at birth and managed to convince him and the rest of the world that he is of extraterrestrial origin. Simon escapes and attempts to reform American culture by overriding TV signals, with a high-powered TV transmitter becoming a national celebrity in the process, starring Alan Arkin and Madeline Kahn. I don't know if it's starring Madeline Kahn, but... But tune in next time. Tune in next time. We'll about that. And we will leave you now with the audio for the trailer for Simon. It is not generally known that many of the strange and alarming trends observed in this country in recent years were not random occurrences, coincidences, or so-called acts of God, but are, in fact, directly traceable to this group of men, five of the most brilliant and twisted geniuses in America, perhaps in the entire world. Living and working together, isolated, protected, and funded by a government contract so brilliantly incomprehensible that no one, even at the highest Washington levels, knew its real activities. This group, in the name of free scientific inquiry, perpetrated a series of scenarios so sinister, so bizarre, and so childishly perverse, that rational men argued that the civilization which had come so far in so short a time was finally collapsing. Dr. Carl Becker, director of the Institute. Excuse me, Dr. Becker? Oh, yes? How did the five of you meet? We were all sent out here some years ago by someone who thought it would be a good idea for the best minds to be put together in a good environment with unlimited funds. And what were you all supposed to do? Oh, think. A think tank? What about? The usual, you know, the food shortage, ecology, energy, that sort of thing. We were supposed to save the world. What went wrong? Nothing went wrong. We just got into more interesting material, that's all. More interesting material? Uh, what kind of material? Oh, a little this, a little that. 